Welcome to the Nathan Crane Podcast. Nathan is a certified holistic cancer coach, 20-time award-winning documentary filmmaker, competitive CrossFit athlete, and best-selling author of Becoming Cancer-Free. With nearly two decades in independent natural health research and education, Nathan shares his top solutions for preventing and overcoming disease while optimizing health and improving human performance. Each week, Nathan brings on highly renowned experts to share natural and holistic health science, strategies, and breakthroughs for living your healthiest, happiest, and most fulfilling life. And now, here's Nathan Crane. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us here today. I have a really special guest, Grace De La Rosa, who I'm excited to have with us here on the podcast. Grace is a holistic wellness consultant, a lifelong recovery advocate with over 35 years of experience and extensive self-studies in the health and fitness industry as a former AFAA certified group fitness instructor, a professional fitness and swimwear model, a contributing writer and a bikini competitor. She holds a bachelor's degree in communications and TV broadcasting and a minor in psychology from the University of North Florida. Grace was diagnosed at the age of 38 with stage 3C colon cancer back in 2005. And she was then treated with a chemo cocktail, which uh, ended up making her disabled due to the long-term side effects of the chemo. Uh, Grace currently serves on multiple advisory councils for rehabilitation and substance abuse in Florida, helping people overcome addiction, abuse, and trauma. And through her own spiritual awakening, became a mindfulness and meditation teacher, a medical intuitive, and an energy healer, also certified as a Reiki master. Um, Grace, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for the intro. That was a a lot. (laughs) You know, I was reading uh, about um, your background and your, and your story. And it just, it seems like you have just gone through so many challenging times in your life. Um, just sounds like you're, you know, you had a really traumatizing childhood. Sounds like you had a really challenging time with cancer. It just, everything I was reading, um, made it seem like, wow, to go through that kind of fire and pain and challenge, um, you know, it either tears someone apart and tears them down, leads to chronic depression, chronic fatigue, oftentimes addiction, alcoholism, drug abuse, and uh, a very painful and sad life and often ends in, you know, someone ending their own life or, or having a very shortened life. Or on the other end of a spectrum, it can wake you up to a higher spiritual dimension, to a higher purpose in life, to finding joy and fulfillment and health and happiness and using that and turning it around, you know, turning that pain into purpose and using it to inspire and empower other people. Um, Certainly speaking from my own personal experience with that, but it sounds like that's what you did is you took all that pain and turned it into a purpose and have been a light, um, a bright light in people's lives. That sounds beautiful. Thank you for your words it's it, yes that all resonates with me and i was thinking you know it's it's not it's not either or it's and so the pain and the enlightening you know the spiritual awakening because as you know 
you know, when we're talking about spiritual awakenings, it is a death and a birth all at the same time. Yeah. Right. The death of the old you for the birth, the rebirth of who you're meant to be. And let's wake you up. Let's wipe the cobwebs off your eyes, little baby. And let's show you how beautiful this world can be when we choose to live our life from our heart to help others, which is, you know, I um, did just a really cursory view on you and the things you have done. I, I'm just like so excited to be on your podcast and know um, I'm connecting with somebody that has changed and continues to change so many other people's lives from your own experiences and look at what you're doing with it all you did exactly what you were saying that I was doing and I can't see it in me until you say that and then I see it in you and I'm like wow and and that's such the blessing you know when we can actually see and be connected with others of like vibrations like frequencies like minds and hearts you know yeah so thank you for that yeah and when you're in when you're living the pain and you're experiencing the trauma oftentimes again and again and again i mean anyone who's ever been through any kind of trauma abuse rape any kind of you know challenging experience addiction the loss of a parent jail homelessness on and on and on there's so many different kinds of traumas that that we so many many millions of us go through in our lives probably billions of us go through at some point in our mm -hmm. lives when you're in it or you're reliving it constantly because maybe it happened when you were nine years old or 10 or 12 but you're 50 or 60 and you still relive that because you haven't learn to forgive and and free yourself from that yet you're reliving that pain all the time and I'm, I'm speaking because i know people very close to me who are still reliving all of their child i mean nearly 70 years old and still reliving all of their childhood yeah. traumas to this day and it's they are eating themselves and burning themselves from the inside out and it's so hard to watch and so painful for them and the people around them, they, they suffer themselves and then they often pull others into suffer with them. But yeah. it's so hard for us as human beings to see the bright light, the potential possibility for love and, and light and, and freedom when we're in that experience, right? So, I mean, can you talk yeah. about your story? How, how was it like for you? And how did you, you know, you went through trauma, you went through abuse, you went through a lot of challenging experiences. You know, we have time to, to, to share your story. I'd love for you to, and, and then figure and share how you were able to, you know, find your own path out of that into a life that is now, as you say, filled with joy and happiness and, and I, you and I have had a few conversations now. I've done a, a session with you, a couple of sessions with you. And, and I can say from my experience, you know, you, you do transmit light and happiness and joy and peace. I don't think it's just something in a bio. I think it's something that you actually, <laughs> that you actually live now. But I'm sure at some point you didn't, right? I'm sure at some point your, your life may have been miserable. Um, 
So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Sure. Thank you. First, I'd like to say I got to the point where I uh, tried to end my life. You know, I went, I went there. I went all the way to that point of what I thought would be a point of no return. And that led to me reevaluating my entire life, you know, but me, me trying to attempting to commit was looking back, you know, just a feeling of complete isolation, complete, even though I wasn't physically, I mean, isolated, I had my children around, I had my, my sister around. um, But I felt like my life was done. I had been. How old were you? Oh, 50. You were 50. 50. I'm 56 today. Wow. So that was recently that you were really contemplating that. Oh, yes. And so, you know, because of that, I was Baker acted by my one of my family members. And that meant you were what Baker acted. I've never heard that. What is that? Right after suicide, if some, you know, um, they say the Baker acting is for your protection. So they take you away from the environment you're in. Mm. And they place you into a, you know, a behavioral facility, health facility. Um, they, yeah, they lock, they basically, hell. they lock you up and put you in a padded room, basically. No. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, that's what they did to me. They put me in a room with a camera <laughs> through the door, you know, with nothing in there. It was like a jail. They put me in a jail is what I went to. Um, Oh my gosh. Okay. So mine was, it felt like I was just in a hospital kind of setting, Mm. you know, a little bit more relaxed than that because there wasn't all kinds of beepings and stuff, but cots, I remember two or three cots. I was just so depressed, Nathan. Mm. I, I was just beside myself. I'd never been in that situation in my life. And what led me there was when I found myself in jail, being treated as a perpetrator, not the victim of abuse in a marriage. And I didn't even see it. I did not even see that. And I remember being in jail and going, I I don't belong here. I've never, I've not been in jail in my whole life. And so that in and of itself is a whole other story, but I like to use that and say that is what catapulted me into my spiritual awakening. And when I say that it was a three day, three night, uh, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual experience that was literally out of this world, out of this dimension. Um, you know, when I I was right here in my own place and I remembered I was meditating and that's why I so believe in meditation. It activated, it activated my awakening. 
and I was lying down on the ground. I had not eaten or drank. Spirit, God, whatever you want to call that, had guided me to that point. And being a colon cancer survivor, you know, one day, two days of fasting is nothing. Three days was probably my longest, and it was without any medical assistance. It was straight from spirit, from God, from that light. And I found myself just lying down after a beautiful meditation. And um, that's when I saw, I, I, I saw myself, you know, I saw my, literally my heart, my mind, it looked like a brain. And all of a sudden I saw my heart become one with my brain and my soul just just expanded and when all that happened instead of fireworks of color it was a fireworks of white light and I saw nothing but white and I felt nothing but warmth from this radiating light of multicolors it was so beautiful and my life literally changed from there I saw life in a whole new way I saw the oneness of all things, people, places, everything, that what you do affects me and what affects me affects you. And how could I not want to support you to see you elevated, to see you succeed? Your success is mine and mine is yours. And that's love over on the other side. So when I had that white light experience, it led me I literally sat up after that experience, you know, um, and that experience included a transition of my physical being in into that realm of transitioning to spirit, transmuting to the spirit form. And I had that opportunity to experience that so I could bring that back and talk about that. So people are not afraid of that transition. And not only that, but the why, the why they're there and what they do to move us to do these beautiful things, you doing what you're doing, all the other light workers, all the other healers, the doctors and nurses, the moms and dads that are helping others heal, right? And awaken and have their own experience. And fortunately or unfortunately, uh, from my own experiences, being around other people and listening to their story, a uh, majority of us, and not all, have had some serious traumas, like you said, in our life. But that is what breaks us from the old us to the new us and to be able to have, you know, experiences are on a spectrum you don't have to have that white light experience that I had to understand this but it's in the knowing the experiencing whatever it is you've experienced to bring you to the oneness and to the wanting and the desire to um, spread a little bit of kindness into other people's lives and realize it's not about us but it is it's because we're only as strong as our weakest link. And when we talk about keeping strong and not getting sicker and not getting the cancer and this and that, 
the answer is less stress, more love, being elevated, being completely supported by people around you that have that same resonation as you, your dream, your deepest dreams, you know, articulated by somebody else. And for you to say, I resonate with that. I'm going there no matter what. So when we come to that realization, for me, for me, that's when I know I have found my purpose in life. And isn't that what we all are seeking? What is our purpose in life? You know, and how beautiful each one of us is to have different talents and gifts that are that only you and you alone can do brings that is the value added to this beautiful thing we call life you know you might be able to do the same thing as I maybe we can both um uh sense things but you sense it by seeing I might sense it by feeling not just feeling tactile but feeling within right and somebody else might have the ability to hear. So you might, when a gong is hit, you might be able to see colors from that sound. And I might be able to, I don't know, feel the vibration that resonates, the different vibrations within that gong, you know, all the different ones. And so what I'm saying is, is when we do that, your truth is your truth. And that is the truth. I, I can bring in another part of that. But with all of us sharing our experiences of truth, then we can really fully understand what truth may look like. Because I might not understand your truth. Let me see that. Right? Hey, I just want to take a quick second and thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you're enjoying it so far. As a special thank you for tuning in to this episode, I want to give you my number one Amazon best-selling book absolutely free. You can go download it right now at becomingcancerfree.com. If you want to learn evidence-based strategies for helping your body become a cancer-fighting machine for not only cancer reversal but cancer prevention, go grab a copy of the book. Again, I'm just giving it to you for free. You can go download it at becomingcancerfree.com. Com. All right, let's get back to the show. Actually reminds me of a conversation I was having with someone yesterday or the day before about um, psychic abilities, right? Yes. And people hear that and they either have, say, oh, that's, you know, hogwash, baloney, <laughs> whatever. Or they're like, oh, yeah, I kind of believe that. Or they're like, no, it 100% exists. I know it for sure. You got kind of like complete doubters, you know, and then kind of people in the middle maybe, and then people who are 100% all in, yes. And I was talking with someone the other day and I said, I said, you know, I really f believe that we all have psychic-like abilities, every one of us. And it, the difference is, and there may be multiple differences, but one of the differences between somebody who you would really call very psychic somebody who is just intuitive about everything can kind of predict and see 
the future, you know, um, relatively accurately can sense, you know, things right before they happen, have, yes. you know, dreams about things, you know, can connect to healing energies, can connect to, you know, uh, ancestors who've passed, you know, all of these abilities, um, many of which uh, you uh, possess and share, many of which you uh, utilize and have developed um, in your practice. And, and at the very subtle level of that, everybody's had an experience of a psychic ability. And I'll tell you one that I think everybody can relate to. You're sitting there and you're thinking about your father or your brother or a friend. You just start thinking about them out of nowhere. You just start thinking about them. And five seconds later, they call you. Mm-hmm. Now, what is that? That People is... who doubt will say, oh, that's coincidence, right? I, I was just thinking about you. And then you call <laughs> me. I think everybody I've ever talked to in my life has had at least that or a similar experience. I was just thinking about this one thing and boom, there it is. I was thinking about that's this person right. and he called me. I was thinking about this and I got this job or whatever it is where it's, it's intuitive. It's a look into the future. It's a connection. And what is that? Well, that's, that's energy, right? Everything mm-hmm. is energy. And so we're connecting to the energy of that thought, that person, that experience, and we can cultivate and develop that, or we can stay disconnected from it and not pay attention to it. And as you were saying so eloquently that people sense and see and utilize these different, you know, abilities at different Mm -hmm. levels of intensity and different perceptive uh, potential. Some people see things much more clear. Some people feel things much more clear. Some people hear things much more clear. Some people, you know, have all of those senses really enhanced. Um, And I've had experiences, many experiences, um, since kind of my initial, I would call it also spiritual awakening, uh, which started at, you know, 18 years old, between 17 and 18 years old. Uh, was when it initially started. And then I've had multiple, you know, experiences since then um, of healing people, of, you know, completely removing migraines from somebody in a split second, you know, from sensing something before it happens, you know, predicting the future, um, you name it, like many, many, many experiences. So I know personally, my truth is it fully exists and I'm not special or gifted in any way. It's I became aware of these. I've meditated a lot. I've spent a lot of time around many different spiritual traditions and spiritual people. And so I'm a little more accustomed to, I'd say it's like going to the gym and building muscle. The more you use it, the more you work on it, the more you're going to be in tune with it, right? The the more it's going to grow. The more your muscles are going to grow, the more you work it. I think it's the same thing when it comes to these kinds of abilities. And I think it's incredible to recognize that, hey, we all have these kind of powers, these kind of abilities and powers, but are we utilizing them to the best of their ability? And, and if not, how can we? And what are the good things that, that can come of it? That's right. It's, it's the intention with which you choose to use those, what I like to say, your God-given gifts, your, your divine gifts given to you 
in special ways, you know? I love knowing this part about you. I did not know that about you. And that excites me because again, it just kind of validates what I had said earlier about, you know, resonating with other people that are within that and that are elevating you even further. You know, meditation, and this is the, the beauty of, of meditation is when, like, it's just like working out, like you said, however, we know in the fitness field and in, in the, in the, in the, just in the health field in general, you know, your physiology and things, it's in the resting, the resting state where the growth really, really happens. We tear it down when we are working out. We tear our brain down when we're actually thinking, right? That's why the overthinking, the stress, the stress alone creates the over, what, what your brain is thinking is overthinking. You're, it's not just your brain, but your entire systems, your all, all your systems within your body get stressed. It's a... a uh, a vibration that's so negative it's breaking as opposed to um bringing in together which you know that's what mindfulness and meditation does it brings that you know um uh neurogenesis to where your your cells start coming together as one and and healing the brain and repaving that pathway for new neural networks to occur, you know? And I bring that up because, A, I love neuroscience. I love the fact that there is science there to what you and I are talking about. And there's no woo-woo thing when we do talk about all of what we're talking about is energy, you know? So when we do that, when we, I got all excited. I'm like uh, wanting to go here and there when we start tuning into that vibration, you then you start realizing quite a bit of the law of attraction really is coming into play, right? And then some, and then some, and then recognizing that everybody is on a spectrum. Uh, it can be lateral and it can be, you know, up and down, but it's growth, it's growth. Hopefully you're not, when I'm saying growing, I'm saying you're moving forward. You're either growing or you're moving forward or you're stagnating and, and shortening your life, you know? When, when we're in that state of rest, in that state of mindfulness, you know, we allow our body to reset. We allow our bodies to start healing on their own. When we talked about earlier, you know, with me being disabled, I do have a handicap placard good for the next, you know, two, two years. It's good for five years. And at the point when I had that, the handicap placard given to me, I had gone through so much, you know, um, with the rate the no radiation, but chemo from my colon cancer back in 2005. Um, the weight gain was horrendous. And as you know, the minute you gain weight, other things start happening. Right away, I got arthritis. And with that alone came depression, 
but really that depression came the minute I was told on the phone that you've got cancer. It's like, I would have liked to have heard I got the lotto, I won the lotto or something, you know, but instead I won the lotto of uh, becoming part of a club that I never wanted to be a part of, which is the cancer club. You know, nobody wants that. And back then in 05, oh my gosh, if you got three or four, that was a death sentence. I had five friends. I could have five friends at any given time and three would die within the first two years. And I chose not to look at my stats for me until after I, I uh, surpassed that five-year mark, you know, of all clear, so to speak. And I did that. I waited, I waited, and I decided I'd look. I had a 13% chance of surviving. If I had known that then, I would have chosen not to move further. I say that because it is so imperative to stay focused on what's in front of you right then and there. That's it. Don't think about tomorrow in terms of your life. All you have is right now. What can you do today to make this a better day for yourself and for somebody else? If all you have is by the end of this day, is what you're doing right now really what you want to do to fulfill what you want to do by the end of the day, knowing your day is ended? That's a, such a powerful question. I think everyone should ask themselves every day, you know, are you doing... If, if you knew you were going to die in 30 days or in one year, right? You had one year left to live. Doing, would you be doing what you're doing right now? The job that you have, the lifestyle you have, the way you're eating, the way you're living. You know, let, let's say you had five years left. It's like, all right, you know, you have, you know, <laughs> grandfather time. You got the Grim Reaper showed up. Hey. <laughs> you know, here's your future psychic told you, you know, Hey, in five years, you're dead. There's nothing you can do to avoid it. You know, what would you do with your life? How would you live it differently? And I say a year or five years, because if you say 30 days or whatever, like some people be like, screw it. And just, you know, whatever, go, you know, maybe not do some very healthy things either. Go do all the unhealthy things that they wish they'd done. <laughs> uh, but, but let's say you had a couple years or five years, you know, what would you actually want to do with your life? What experiences would you want to have? What kind of work or service in the world would you be doing? You know, what new experiences would you want? What skills would you want to develop and learn? Like, that's such a powerful question. And that's why a cancer diagnosis um, is one of the most powerful things. Both, it can be a very negative um experience and it can be a very uplifting experience for people depending on how you receive it for most people it's very scary it's very frightening it is you know when you have a stage three or stage four cancer diagnosis hey you know you have 13 percent chance of living that's by the way that's if you follow the treatment you don't know what your chance of living could be if you followed a different approach a holistic or natural approach Maybe it's higher. You don't really know. But when they tell you, for people who don't understand prognosis from a doctor, number one, we call that, I call that the fake expiration date. Hey, you have three months left to live. You know, And I say that because I have many people who I have met over the years who were told they have three months left to live stage four cancer. 
and they didn't accept that. They said, I will overcome this. I will find the solutions. I am not ready to leave this planet. And here they are 15 years later, they change their diet, their lifestyle, they sauna, they eat a whole food plant-based diet, they meditate every day, they gain more love and spiritual connection in their life, they found a deeper purpose, and they said, no, I don't accept that fake expiration date. And that's possible. There are many stories like that of people who lived way beyond what they were told. So you don't have to accept that prognosis either. You know, for you, you didn't even want to know. You didn't even want to look at it, which was probably smart as well, because you get told, hey, you have a 13% chance of living. It's like, oh, that's even more scary. Like I'm, you know, 87, 87% chance of dying, right? And so the other side of that coin is it can be a major wake-up call for people and say, hey, I'm on, you know, it's like a, it's like a, serious car crash or the loss of a loved one or a really traumatizing experience that can wake us up to say, hey, I've been on the wrong path. I need to make some changes now in my life. And that can be also a, a, you know, a blessing in disguise. Um, and that's hard to see in those moments. Back to my you know, earlier question is like, how did you, through these challenging experiences, through a cancer diagnosis, through you know trauma in your earlier years through what sounds like more trauma in your adult life how did you know what was that like for you and how did you find your way through it well i didn't even realize that what i was going through was was traumatic i just thought that everything that people dealt with everything that i've dealt with you know but i'm learning you know that my experiences um, may be different from yours, but that doesn't make yours any less value. value less, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That yours is not as valuable as mine or mine not as valuable as yours. I'm hoping I'm saying that the right way. But basically, you know, what happened to you is, is as traumatic as you feel it is, you know, and um, not simply just that, but when you're a child, you don't know that there's anything different from somebody else's family, really. From and I'm just speaking from my own experience, and that's and I I want to say that uh, that in order to be able to see. You know, I think I shared this with you once before, Nathan, but in order to see the stars, you have to have it dark. Stars are so beautiful to see. So how can we say that the dark is bad? It's just an experience. And the minute you turn the light on, it's a whole other experience. But I do know that what I experienced my whole life was extremely traumatic it was trauma upon trauma upon trauma. It was kind of akin to um, a veteran running through a mine, not knowing if the next step is going to blow in your face. And it's similar to that, but now you're talking about children, children in, a, in those kinds of situations. And I'm not taking away from the military veteran. You know, God forbid anyone hears or sees this and, thinks that I, on the contrary, I 
I'm so for, you know, supporting our military veterans and our servicemen and women today. But I, I digress. Uh, that is part of my life. So, you know, right away, I all I knew was moving. <laughs> all I knew was moving. And, you know, all these things, I, I bring up not because I hold on to them. I bring it up because I am, you know, sharing what ha ha happened to me. But it, it was everything, uh, everything that you mentioned early on. And uh, I won't go into the details of all of that. But I took that and I looked. And the thing is, is I had I not always tried to see the best of the situations around me or my or the people around me, I I would not have wanted to live. And part, I believe, of the fact that people with gifts, the gifts that they're aware of, these spiritual gifts that we're talking about, that you and I have both agreed that we all have them to a certain extent. Um, they, they are, they correlate with the traumas that one has endured. That's why they're called gifts. Not everybody will get them or understand that they have them. We do all have them. And if we had been taught this early on from day one in kindergarten and pre-K, instead of it making it look like, oh, these are weird things, we would all understand how beautiful these gifts are and what a waste it would be if now you know and choose to still not explore the gifts that were offered to you, right? And so I look at the traumas that I endured, have endured, and and am so grateful knowing with my own experiences that this was stuff that my soul had asked to experience what we think is bad is not really, it's human. And the only time we'll ever be able to experience any of these feelings is through our humanness. And to be human is a gift in and of itself because not every soul gets to ride in the vessel of humanness. We have cars that are Teslas and Toyotas but our soul has humanness, which is one of the prized um, experiences that souls could ever ask for. There's more souls than there are human ves vessels. So I want to bring that into light, you know? Hey, I just want to pause a second and ask you, are you enjoying this episode so far? Are you getting good value from this content? If so, then I know you're going to absolutely love healing life at healinglife.net you get exclusive and premier access to hundreds of the top world's doctors experts cancer conquerors and survivors exclusive interviews that i have done with all these experts and doctors uh, that are not available for free online they're only available at healinglife.net so not only do you get access to all of those but you actually get to speak with these doctors and experts and ask them any question you want about health and healing. 
and this is available exclusively to Healing Life members. You can try it out for free. Go to healinglife.net and you can start your free trial there. And uh, whether you're interested in learning more about detox or cancer, diet and nutrition and nutritional science, about diabetes, about heart disease, autoimmune disease, anti-aging, longevity, all of these topics are covered in depth and more are continuing to be added at Healing Life. And again, you get to talk to these doctors yourself. So I invite you to set up a free trial at healinglife.net and I hope to see you over there. Now, let's get back to the show. So what I hear you saying is that, you know, going through dark times in your life, you still found a way to find the light and the goodness in people around you? Because most everybody has some sort of goodness within them. Yeah. I'd like to believe that we are all born good, good souls, not selfish, not the way I've heard some, you know, uh, medical experts have ex expressed and, or not medical, you know, religious um, people, pe religious people, listen to that. <laughs> I'm, I promise I'm not judging here. <laughs> But what I'm saying is it's just so much larger, you know, just so much larger. Um, but that's my experience. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. And I know that that can also be one of the things that keeps people in a very abusive and dysfunctional relationship, right? Yes, where where we see thinking. past, it's like we see the good in the person, even though they're abusing us. Yes. And so we stay in that relationship. It's it, it's it's a really tricky thing because I agree we have to learn to see I really believe we have to learn to see the goodness in all people if we ever want to have unity and and a peaceful civilization. We have to see the good in each other. Um and at the same time if we don't recognize the manipulation and you know whatever else might be going on in in a relationship or in a situation with somebody who is using that against you and you stay mm -hmm. in that situation that dysfunctional situation um then it then it does become very damaging and yes. you know how do you how do you navigate that because mm -hmm. it's very tricky to navigate it really is. And this is where you really have to have faith in something much larger than me and you. We have to have faith in that chi and that divine universal energy that pushes us and moves us to do the next right thing. And remember when I brought up the neuroscience, I brought that up because of what I'm just about to say. In science, they know that we already, our, our brains already know what our, our, our bodies already know what it's about to do without us even realizing it already knows it's about to do something. There's a split moment in time between the minute we think it and the minute it happens, right? And right before the minute we think it. And that's where we all have to start wondering, what is that? How do you how do you know what to think? How, what is that thinking that's coming in through your mind right now? Right? 
Yeah, I would call that I would call that the intention, right? The intention, and it's you know um, it drives everything. Where is that? Intention where is that drives, intention coming from? Yeah, I had a uh, <laughs> really early spiritual mentor early on from when I was, I think nineteen to maybe twenty-two, so maybe three or four years. Uh, his name was Arturo Gaitan. And he, one of the things that he really helped me do, that he really instilled in me is to um, be a free thinker and to learn to think for myself. Because I didn't, I didn't realize how much I had been programmed by society, by music, by, you know, peers, by everything around me, how my mind and my subconscious mind had been programmed to see and act and behave in a certain way. And one of the things he really instilled in me is, you know, learn to think for yourself. And I think people hear that and go, oh yeah, I think for myself. But if you really dig deep, I think most of us don't think for ourselves. And in fact, look at COVID for an example. Most people did not think for themselves. They did what they were told. They didn't ask questions. They didn't dig deep into research. They didn't talk to other people. They just did what they were told out of fear. And that's a great example. And now, and I knew early on, and many of my colleagues knew early on in the health field, that what we were being told and what the actual truth was, were two totally different things. And so the few of us, and there were, and I say few, probably hundreds of thousands, or maybe a few million, but it's a few compared to the almost seven, eight billion people on the planet. Um, that did think for ourselves and did question uh, what was happening. You know, it's, we were, we were uh, antagonized and, and vilified and our social media accounts were shut down and we were called quacks and, and killers and all kinds of things. But I still felt the importance to think for myself anyway, thankfully to my early spiritual mentor. But one of the other things that he told me um, to your question is that I, I think is a powerful perspective to think about. He said, the brain is the thinking system of the human, so of the body, and the mind is the thinking system of the soul. And I really believe we have a soul, and we, we know that we have a mind. They can't find the soul or the mind inside the brain. They can dissect a human and dissect it apart and look in the brain. They can't actually find the driver. They can't find the soul. They can't find the mind that's telling the brain these thoughts. They've never been able to do it. And so from us, but with certain kinds of technology, we can actually see an aura, an auric field or a mind field around the human being. And that is what, you know, uh, my spiritual teacher told me really early on, he said, look, that's your mind, that's your mind field, and that's the thinking system of the soul, and that tells your brain what to do, and your brain tells your body what to do. So what I believe still, to this day, to your question is, where does that initial impulse come from? I believe it comes from the mind of our soul, is where that, uh, you know, pre-thought comes from. Um, but that's just my belief. <laughs> I can't prove that. <laughs> For me, and I'm speaking from experience when I was able to go to the spirit realm, 
we talk a lot about, and a lot of scientists talk about collective consciousness. That collective consciousness, when I talk about that, is each one of us, when we pass, becomes nothing but stardust, you know, and we get disseminated all over uh, this huge space and time. And what happens is, is each one of us can be in spirit and be in different places on the universe and this earth that we think we know in a million different places all at once. And when a collection of those spirits coming together, which is nothing but energy and vibrations and movement, each one coming into people through the resonations from our heart. And when we talk about the law of attraction, that literally is. It's, it's spirits that are finding others here on earth whose vibrations resonate to a point that they can each come in through a channel and move us. We are not our mind, as you said, you know, our brain is nothing but a processor for us to use the data and amalgamate that with our heartstrings, our feelings, and that becomes our thinking. Then that thinking pushes us to do our doing, right? Or not doing, and all with the help of, of everybody else. Because everybody, when I say everybody else, I'm talking about them in spirit. And when they come and when we transmute over there, we will all see that we all in spirit try to help the humans create the, the utopia that they all would like to see. And, you know, some people don't want to help, Nathan, believe it or not. Some people don't have the need, the necessity, or the desire in their heart, mind, and soul to help the next person. They're like, fend for yourself. And you know what? They have a right to be that way. And when we talk about, you know, uh, people being of love and seeing that, you know, even if it means that we see it from other people based on their negativity that negativity will shine right and the light will shine onto that darkness and we'll see that that's what that darkness is and hopefully when we see it we will have shown our light a little bit of light on that darkness so the darkness always becomes light which is exactly to me where my higher power my god has always always been my God is not about, my God is not about, you know, uh, or casting any negativity in any way, shape, or form. My God is a defender of all things good. You know, I, I don't know if you want to talk about chi. It's dispelling the negativity when we do our Reiki, right? Breaking that up dispelling and discerning what's dark and negative and light and 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 cleaning up that auric field we're talking about some stagnate what is all that because there are spirits that are not even have never even been human they're they're non-beings 
And I didn't understand what that meant until I saw with my own being. Mm. And when we start talking about that, you know, all we're talking about is the frequencies and um, and changes in molecular uh, um, constructs and structure, really. You know, how quickly can that red light be shown more uh, quicker than the green light might come through, you know, things of that nature. And what, when we, when I start talking about stuff like that, um, I, I like to just share that even though we feel or see that there, and there is, there's, there's darkness out here. There's evil, you know, but evil isn't, evil isn't this thing. It's a collection of people. It's people. People can choose to be evil or not. Yeah. And it's an energy. Some, I mean, yes. You know, and I want to go back to clarify a little bit something what I said a moment ago as well, which ties into this, which, you know, Bruce Lipton is a good friend of mine, um, is a cell biologist and has studied, you know, extensively the mind, the, the, the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, the unconscious mind, as well as many other scientists. And one of the things that he's told me and a number of other scientists have concluded is that 95% of our thinking and basically our actions, 95% of it comes from our subconscious, our automatic pre-programmed uh, way of being. So mm -hmm. the subconscious part of the mind is the, the part that we are programmed from a child from birth until about seven years old is what they've discovered. Your brain frequency wavelength is in, um, I believe, theta, which is like um, a meditative state. So you're in hypnosis. It's a hypnotic state. And the reason being is it teaches us the rules and regulations of our society on autopilot. So as we get a little bit older, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, you know, those things we don't have to think about anymore. They're kind of automatic in our subconscious. Just like when we start driving, initially it's hard and scary, a little bit frightening, and you got to think about every little thing you do in the blinker and, the, and you know, the windshield wipers and all that stuff. And then the more years that you drive, the more automatic it becomes. You don't even think about driving when you're driving. Usually you're thinking about something else. And oftentimes some people are doing three or four other things while they're driving too, which is not ideal. They might be putting on their mascara while, you know, holding a mirror and they're on the phone at the same time. How can, how can people do that without crashing? A lot of people do crash, but millions don't crash while, while doing that is because the subconscious mind is on autopilot directing your life. You can do the dishes. You've done the dishes a million times. You can do the dishes and not even be aware that you're doing the dishes because you can be off in thought somewhere else because your subconscious autopilot is doing the dishes for you. So 95%, so back to that question as well, because I was thinking about this because it was a great question. I really think 95% of our thoughts and actions, uh, as they've discovered, just come from that automatic subconscious programming, from your belief systems. But when we get, when we use our conscious thought, which unfortunately is only about 5% of the time is what they say, I believe that, and that's usually our inspired thinking. It's that, 
intuitive hit. It's that, oh, you know what? I need to call this person or, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go to the gym and make a change. Like your whole subconscious patterning is go home, sit on the couch, eat potato chips, watch TV, go to sleep, get fat, be unhealthy, and do it again and again and again and again and again until you finally get the inspired thought to pull you out of that pattern. I'm going to the gym. I'm done with this right now. Where does that come from? That, I believe, comes from our soul, comes from you know our soul connected with our mind and that conscious thought that's like, boom, dude, it's time to change. Let's go. You know, it's like, let's do this. Or a lot of the cancer patients I work with, you know, as, as a certified holistic cancer coach and independent researcher. And, and, you know, I have a coaching program with other certified coaches. We work with hundreds of cancer patients uh, in group coaching settings. You know, oftentimes somebody diagnosed with cancer who does um, decide to go a different path it comes through this inspiring, intuitive um, experience. Chris Work was a great example. He was basically at the doctor's office um, and they were telling him, hey, you need radiation. Um, you know, even after they did surgery, we still want you to do chemotherapy and radiation. And in that moment, he saw um, the famous juice guru guy come on the TV and talk about, you know, juicing vegetables for your health. And it just, he had this awakening moment, connection from God, from his soul, from spirit, whatever you want to call it. He had that awakening moment. He goes, no, I, I don't want to do all this stuff to poison my body. I'm going to go change my diet and do this vegetable juice and all. And it was just like watching an advertisement on TV that inspired him. And guess what? It ended up being the right thing to do for him and uh, healed himself fully, reclaimed his health and, you know, cancer never came back many, many, you know, I think he's going on almost two decades now. So it's, it's being, it's putting our, I feel like it's putting ourselves into as many of those situations as possible where we can connect to that inspired thought, to that spiritual dimension. And that's to what you said earlier, the, the ways we do that is through meditation and Qigong and energy practices and prayer, you know, any kind of spiritual practice. It's sitting down, quieting ourselves. You know, we went to uh, this beautiful trail near the house here uh, in Jacksonville uh, yesterday and or two days ago and a trail through the forest, maybe three quarter mile walk. And then, this nice open grassy area with giant live oaks all around and some metal rocking benches overlooking the St. John's river. And I just went and sat there and just sat and relaxed and meditated for 30 or 45 minutes. And just taking that time away from the noise and the intensity and the day to day and going and doing that, you know, as often as possible, it's not only rejuvenating, but that's where you get your insights and your awakening and your connect, your deeper connection to spirit. That's where, that's where I get it is in those moments, you know? And so I think if anything, it's like adopting a spiritual practice or meditation practice or Qigong practice, which Qigong incorporates meditation and sound healing and subtle movement and a lot of really beautiful things all together. Um, Adopting a daily practice, a weekly practice, I think, is essential if we want to overcome that subconscious patterning that's just keeping us in the mundane of the day-to-day and actually elevate ourselves to a higher spiritually fulfilling happy and healthy life 
What are your thoughts on that? Well, one of the reasons why you felt so good in that meditative state for those 45 minutes is I can already say is you didn't have your computer on. Hopefully you weren't on your cell phone. You know what I mean? Oh and no, I turn it off when of, I do. I turn it off when I do that. <laughs> I bring that it for safety, of, but I turn it off. <laughs> yes. And that is so important to do whenever we have an opportunity to turn off Wi-Fi and to shut down the technology that we are bombarded and forced to use, really. Um, that is when you're going to start seeing changes in one's feeling and one's thoughts and things like that if 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 you think about it most of our lives here in america at least is always about doing 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 and it's always almost always related to our phones we almost always have to use a phone think about i don't know about you but you know turn off like mine is completely powered off i don't just have it silenced i have it off like powered off and if I wasn't talking with you or if, you know, yes, I would keep that off and I would keep it, I would keep it in a totally different room. Um, part of the reason why we are getting sicker than ever with all the technology that we have, think about this, there is no coincidence that the more technologically advanced we get, the sicker we end up getting. The more we have to be understanding of the reason why we must learn to balance using the beautiful technology that we are afforded with living a life of uh, free of interference. And when I say interference, we're going back to energy, the interference from the radiation that is expelled from the energies that are coming from our technology, from our Wi-Fi. It's real. And if you if you if you were to do some research on the fact that when we start started seeing technology and Wi-Fi coming together as one, then and only then will you start seeing a decline in the people's uh, health and an increase in in the many different ways that our bodies have become sicker because with that radiation coming off and you think about why people use x-ray vests, nobody wants to get x-rayed every moment of the day. Nobody wants to get um, MRI scans or PET scans or any kind of scans of that nature because what it's doing in there is exactly what our technology is doing with us today. Right. And it disrupts, it disrupts everything in our, in our cellular level. We, we end up, you know, men, I, I would see young men climbing the 5G towers without any kind of protection. And I, that saddens me and it angers me. And it is just makes me realize some people are just not aware or if they are, they just close their eyes to it because they're like, ah, eh, you know, we'll live. But you, you'll live. How long will you live? And it's not necessarily how long you'll live, but how will you live? I wouldn't want to live another hundred years if I was in misery, in pain, and not thinking for myself. When you talk about not thinking for yourself, it's because the children are bombarded with music that's talking to them in different ways that's not uplifting 
Sometimes it makes people angry and that's not where we want to go. That's where they want us to go to keep us sick. Anger yeah. is I mean, nothing. What you're talking but... about the, the Wi-Fi and the, the radiation, I mean, it's it's a very real thing. There's a lot of science and I've researched this myself. The why the the why the signaling that comes off of the radiation that comes off of cell phones, the radiation that comes off of your Wi-Fi router, the radiation that's coming off of these towers, it does cause free radicals in the body, and free radicals can damage the DNA and cause cancer. There are many cases where women who have keep their phone on their breast all day long in their bra form tumors, exactly the same. That rectangular uh, shape. The rectangular shape of the phone, exactly where they keep it. There are studies that have done on people with glioblastomas. Um, most glioblastomas actually that, that are like right by um, the ear on the side of the brain, a huge percent, I don't remember exactly what it is, but a huge percent <laughs> of them are on the same side that the people hold the phone next to their ear when they're talking. I mean, this is a very real thing you're talking about. And it's also, hey, we're living in modern society. Exactly. We have technology, we have phones, we have Wi-Fi, we have all this. So it's like, unless you're going to go live in the mountains like a monk away from all of it, which, which could yeah. be nice. Um, <laughs> most people are not going to do that. So what can you do? You can be smart about it. Like you said, don't hold the phone to your ear when you talk. When I talk, it's on speaker and I hold it like yes. this. That's don't right. keep the phone on your pocket all day long. Um, That's right. I always keep it on a table, you know, next to me, um, work, set up a Wi-Fi router, you know, and I have a EMF meter so you can test this for yourself. If you take, um, a, uh, an EMF meter, um, and, and it'll beep red because the, the radiation is so high, you can stick it right up to your Wi-Fi router. And if you're within three feet or five feet, you're going to have it's going to be beeping really loud and show all red. It's got a lot of radiation coming off of it. But if you get 10 feet away from it, that radiation goes down to, to a very tiny, tiny amount. Same thing with your computer, your television, your smart TVs, your smart devices, all that stuff. So you can set these things away from you and you don't, you will significantly reduce your exposure. Make sure you're 10 feet away from your Wi-Fi router. Make sure you don't sleep with your phone on at night, I mean, unless you absolutely have to, but keep it away from you, like 10 feet away from you. My phone's on airplane mode at night and it's, you know, five feet away from me. I turned a Wi-Fi router off at night so it's not protruding through the entire house. There's simple things you can do to reduce your exposure. And guess what? If you can reduce your exposure by 70, 80, 90%, the chances of you reducing a cancer diagnosis, DNA damage, other problems that may occur, um, you know, reduces significantly. So it's like, these are simple things that we're talking about, but I think at a deeper mental, you know, that's physical level It's deeper, mental, emotional, spiritual level. These devices are also destroying people's lives because they get so sucked into the fake world inside social media and the dependency on constantly scrolling to keep, you know, the, um, to keep the dopamine, flushing through the brain and people are becoming more and more depressed, more and more sick, you know, more, you know, less connected from reality. And that's why, you know, I take my kids and on the weekends, it's, we go to the beach and we turn off the technology. We go for a hike or a walk and we go sit at a park, turn off technology. We go camping, turn off technology. It's like, I, 
I, it's essential. I feel it's essential that we do these things as an adult for the rest of my life, but also for my children, that they experience yeah. life, you know, they experience life with technology and they experience life every week, at least, you know, a day a week without it. Um, because that's where you can truly connect, I feel, to to the earth and to God and to reality um, outside of this kind of fake world that we live in. Um, and at the same time, I, you know, I, I fully admit this technology is amazing because we can have a conversation like this and put it out online and it'll reach, can reach millions of people all over the world and help people in their lives. So yes. you know, there are, there are many benefits to it, but I think we have to be mindful of how we expose ourselves as well. As long as, as long as we are not allowing this use us, right? Yeah. And, and I wanted to ask you something really quick, uh, if you don't yeah. mind. You mentioned purpose earlier, finding your purpose, connecting with your purpose. I feel like everybody has kind of their own individual purpose to find in this life. It, it doesn't have to be a huge, grandiose purpose, but some purpose in their life. But I also feel like every human being comes here to this planet with um, with the same core purpose or purposes. What are your thoughts on purpose and finding your purpose and, you know, the purpose of a human being? And also tie that into addiction and addictive qualities and how, uh, if you don't mind, if you, if you do see a connection there, because I do, between uh, addiction, because I think most people today have not only one addiction, but multiple addictions. And I think a lot of it has to do with not being connected to a deeper purpose in our lives. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yes, yes, I feel like, you know, even if people go, no, I don't have an addiction. Many of us do. I'm not saying all, but many do. Many of us have the addiction to doing. The addiction to doing, because that is what our society has always told us to do, that you are not a success unless you do. Well, I come to say, as a mindfulness and meditation person, exactly what we were just talking about, sometimes it's in the not doing where the growth and the beautifulness of life co really comes to fruition. You know, allowing things to transpire as they do, not with us having to force anything, you know? Um, I'm listening to this beeping going on in, in my area, the unit, and there's a beeping going on in the background. And that just reminds me, I can either look at that as annoyance, or is that really a sound of music? For me, I used to, when I be, when I used to, um, live in in a world of loudness, that would have irritated me because I, that would have been the last thing I wanted to hear. My life is such that I don't like loudness anymore. I don't like being around people that are super loud, you know, um, but I like the silence, but every sound makes a song. You know, I think of every sound as an instrument in an orchestra. And how cool is that? Thank you for allowing me to have the opportunity to hear that there's somebody else in this world that is unable to hear and what they wouldn't do 
to be able to hear what I might have thought was a nuisance, right? So that 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 rooster may be clucking or uh, cockadoodle doing at three a.m. or four. What a blessing! What a blessing! I'm able to hear that because that person can't hear at all. How do you explain that sound to somebody that's never heard? And so again, let's focus on the beauty of being human. You know, um, you said so many beautiful things, Nathan, that I wanted to touch on. I wanted to stop you at every second because everything you said is exactly what resonates with me from my own personal experience. Um, it has just been a lovely opportunity, even the tough times. Some days are better than others. I don't care how spiritual we are. Being spiritual doesn't mean we don't have the feelings of frustration or things of that nature. That's why we are human. Um, but when we can sit, feel that, recognize those feelings as an alarm to say, hey, something's about to happen. It's the alarm to our car, right? It's the alarm to our car that's popping up, that anger, that frustration, that resentment. And a lot of times those resentments become something that pushes us to drinking, that pushes us to overeating, that pushes us to wanting to have sex with somebody we don't even know, right? Those are the addictions that we were talking about, how everything, almost everything touches on addiction. Even the worst things in our society is based on the people that have caused themselves to be in that life of addiction, that life of doing over and over and over again, the very thing that's killing you and still doing it, right? That's addiction. The addiction to doing working. Remember back in the day, I don't know if you're even old enough, but we didn't even have email. When email first came out, they were saying, oh, when you have email, it will save you so much time. Time for what? They said time to enjoy leisure. No, because a human, a human wants to fill that extra time with other more productive things, right? So now we've come you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years into the future with us all, almost all, even the homeless people are given free freaking phones to use when they don't need that phone. They need a home, right? They need money to eat. But what do they do to our homeless? They give our homeless a free phone. If our society really cared about the homeless, do you really think they'd be giving them a phone? No, they would give them a place to stay. We give our children everything they need to survive in that moment. If we did what we do with the pets, the strays that walk around begging for food, if we just saw the humans as the strays that are asking for us to help them for food, why would we not do that for our own human self type people that we do for our pets, that we do for the strays? You know, we're one. If we were in that position, would we not want assistance too? Just a leg up, not living off of them, but just a leg up to help them get better 
as opposed to staying down in that hole, get them up right. out of the hole. Right. Right. And how, you know, and having, I mean, that's, that touches, a uh, uh, something that I have a very close experience with having been homeless three times in my life. Um, before I was even 20, 23 or 24 and having gone through brutal addiction as a teenager and into my early adult years, um, you know, I, I know that neither the phone, you know, there's nothing you can give a homeless person, like the, the compassion that you have and that I have for homeless people is, is very, very high. And I know most people are homeless because of addiction and trauma. Most people, there's a few cases here and there, 90 plus percent of people who are homeless have drug addiction and alcohol addiction that keep them homeless as well as mental health issues. Exactly. And the mental health leads to the addiction, the addiction perpetuates a mental health. It's an endless cycle, right? And so what are they doing in California? Well, they're just giving them drugs and they're get, you know, building these million dollar apartments to put people into. And it's, it's not going to solve the problem. People who are homeless or going through these challenges, they need mental health support, right? They need to, they need a program to help get sober. They need a safe place to be and to live. Absolutely not a million dollar apartment, but you know, I think it's Michael Schellenberger who outlaid probably the most brilliant plan, which actually comes from other countries. Um, I believe in the Nordic countries where they have basically solved that problem by putting people into um, kind of recovery type homes. It's either you either go here into recovery or you go to jail. It's your choice, right? You can't stay on the street doing drugs and we're not going to support your drug habit. We're not going to support that because that's not compassion. It's not compassion to give a drug addict more drugs and let them live on the street and keep killing themselves. That's, that's what our country does. But that's, that's what our what country our does. does. It's insane, right? right? Compassion yeah. is saying, hey, look, we're going to give you the option. You can go to jail or you can go to a place where you can get help to get sober, to get mental health, to support, to have therapy, hopefully to eat well and to earn your way up, you know, you, you know, stay initially stay in a um, in a shared space a communal space with multiple beds and eventually you can earn your place to you know a, a single bedroom and then maybe earn yourself place to a, to a private apartment but you have to build you know when i was homeless there was nobody there giving me any handouts well that's and had and had they gave me handouts it wouldn't have helped me i had to work and claw my way out of that and discover for myself hey I need to get sober. Hey, I need to get a job. Hey, I need to take care of myself. Hey, I need to be independent and be a productive member of society. I need to heal my traumas. And thankfully I was able to do that. But so many people are not. And, and as you said, there are so many just dysfunctional systems and corrupt systems in this country that don't allow people to do that because that, as I'm finding out more, as I research it more, there are people who make hundreds of thousands of dollars by having all of these insane programs and funding programs that are supposed to help the homeless that aren't helping the homeless at all. But the yeah. people running these programs are making a lot of money 
um, doing it. And so they have an incentive not to actually get people off the streets. It's that's exactly that's the problem is a lot of our systems are built in such a way that their incentive is to make sure that who they're supposed to be helping are the ones that they're actually having to hurt in order for them to help. So we, we have two minutes left. Um, it's been a wonderful conversation. Um, I'd love to talk with you in depth about <laughs> so many more of these topics and, and hopefully we'll get a chance to do it. Um, yeah. I do want to make an announcement and also uh, something I'm really excited about. And I want to give you a chance to say um, any final words and also how uh, any final thoughts you want to leave with people on the podcast and also how people can get in touch with you. Um, uh, but the announcement I want to make is I'm really excited. You know, you're a certified Reiki master. You do energy healing and group energy healing. And through healinglife.net, which is um, our company that is bringing energy healing and meditation and spiritual practice out into the world and making it accessible to people all over the world, you're going to be leading live group uh, Reiki healing sessions. Um, so I'm super excited about that. I know you're starting to do that. Uh, at the time we're recording, you'll probably already have done some live group sessions with people. And so I want people to be able to check that out. You can go um, experience that for yourself at healinglife.net. And I'm excited that uh, you've, you've come on board as a faculty member to share your gifts with our community and with the world. So thank you for that. Um, and then as we wind down here for the last minute, just any kind of final thoughts you want to leave with people on the podcast and then how can people get in touch with you if they want to connect with you personally? Yeah, sure. I thoroughly believe in our bodies healing themselves. If we give it the opportunity to rest without all of the medications, the drugs that are given to us to use, we can allow our bodies to heal. I'm, I'm a living proof of that. I, I was on 24 meds, you know, when I got to the point where I was like, enough is enough. And um, I can understand, you know, one medication is supposed to offset the other medication and on and on. And that's what happened to me. And um, eventually everything started eating up my bones and joints. And when I had that awakening, I stopped all of it. I'm not on those medications anymore. And I just want to say when you are at the point where enough is enough, you know, that is the time when the changes will happen. You're already making the change when you say enough is enough and give yourself that opportunity to love yourself enough to realize you've already just made that first change in your life. Yeah, that's beautiful. I want to, I'd love to hear more of that story um, and how you titrated off all those drugs and the changes you made in your own life. So um, we'd love to have you back on at some point in the future. Maybe we can talk more about that. I but where that. can people connect with you? What's the best place for them to get in touch with you? Sure. I'm on um, all the social media, well, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I'm also on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel there and my website, livingwithgrace.net. I love that yours is healinglife.net. Um, absolutely love that. And I absolutely love that you've got that going on, you know, come to nature first and then move forward and the medications and drugs and things like that. Nature first. I love Nature it. Nature first. 
Well, thank you so much, Grace. It was wonderful having you on. Um, I enjoyed our time and uh, talk to you soon. Thank you, Nathan, so much. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Nathan Crane Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe and share this on social media. Then head over to NathanCrane.com for your free ebook. So when we're talking about, you know, what are these underlying causes and conditions of these chronic diseases, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, they all have very similar, if not identical causes. And that's the thing is when we get to the root cause of these diseases, we can not only prevent these diseases from ever happening, but empower our bodies to heal from them. In every one of our cells, we have tens and hundreds of thousands of chemical reactions that are happening every second that are cycling uh, back and forth. It's like sort of a, a yin and yang. And you know, for me, the soul, soul's purpose is evolution. It doesn't care about comfort, it cares about evolution. Mm. And so I think so long as we are following our soul, then we will evolve. And I think what sometimes blocks us from living our purpose, from manifesting that next level of our expression, is we have not evolved. There is also a time for letting go all the expectations and relax and just breathe and be grateful what, for what you have achieved.